0: Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage
1: Explains.
0: You're listening to a Navy Admiral in the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, a branch of Iran's armed forces. He says, the actual information that the Americans have about us is much less than what they think they have. When will they figure this out? When is it too late? They will definitely figure it out when their ships are sunk or when they find themselves in a catastrophic situation.
1: This regime, the preeminent terrorist regime of our time, in which uh, you know, its goons chant death to America, death to Israel. This regime uh, had a secret nuclear weapons program and they're trying under a very bad deal to get a nuclear arsenal. They shouldn't get it. The White House believes that the nuclear deal is bad. Barack, uh, Barack Obama knew it was bad but did it anyway and lied to the American people about it. Trump has been saying for years that the Iran deal is a disaster. But, uh, whatever the president does as we come to this deadline, uh, and I hope really he pulls out of this Agreement because it's a bad agreement.
0: The May 12th deadline for fixing the Iran nuclear agreement is fast approaching. And Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu recently broke news concerning Iran's pursuit of nuclear weapons. Today, Jim Phillips, a senior research fellow for Middle Eastern Affairs at the Heritage Foundation, who has written extensively on Middle Eastern issues and international terrorism since 1978, is going to give us a brief refresher on the 2015 Iran nuclear deal and what should happen next. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me.
0: Jim, can we rewind a little and do a little refresher on this issue? Can you give me a brief outline of what the 2015 Iran deal is and who was involved?
1: Well, the... Iran nuclear deal was a very controversial deal negotiated by the Obama administration, uh, and it essentially traded massive sanctions relief, most of which came up front, for limited, temporary, and easily reversible concessions on Iran's part to put some limits but not very strong limits on its nuclear program. Uh, but most of the agreement uh, was about lifting sanctions on Iran. And if you looked at just the number of pages, that the I think it was a 159-page agreement, most of them were on sanctions lifting.
0: Who are the some of the countries involved in this agreement?
1: Well, the, the most important countries were the U.S. and Iran, but the negotiations grew out of uh, – Negotiations between Iran and the EU3, which is uh, Britain, France, and Germany. Uh, at, at the later stages, Russia and China were brought in, uh, the members of the, the permanent five members of the Security Council. So it is a multilateral agreement, but it's important to note it, it was never uh, conceived or f- uh, formulated as a treaty, in part because the Obama administration knew. It couldn't obtain Senate approval if it was a treaty. So it did a it, it did this deal as an, uh, uh, a government to government agreement in order to get around Congress.
0: So in, in terms of some of the key components, you said sanctions was one of them, and that was lifting sanctions on Iran. What were some of the other components? What were the, what were they conceding?
1: Well, they did agree to give up a substantial part of their enriched uranium stockpile, uh, and they did agree to uh, move some of their centrifuges. They had about 19,000 centrifuges, and they agreed to reduce them to 5,000, which was significant. Uh, But it's important to note that they did not destroy those centrifuges. They merely put them in storage, and they can take them out again and start winding them up to enrich uranium. And they didn't destroy any facility, uh, including two illegally uh, built uh, facilities. One of them was underground, under a mountain, uh, that they did not declare uh, uh, and therefore violated the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. So to make uh, this deal even worse, the Obama administration essentially legitimized Iran's illicit uh Uh, nuclear facilities and uh, essentially gave them a license to operate in the future.
0: So us conservatives, we've never thought this was a good deal. Can you lay out what it is that we think specifically is wrong?
1: Well, I think the Obama administration violated about five decades of uh, uh, non-proliferation agreements because it gave Iran— the, the right to enrich uranium, and that's something that we, we've been reluctant to give other countries, even our allies. Uh, when the U.S. signed a nuclear agreement with United Arab Emirates, uh, I think in 2009, it denied them a right to enrich uranium or to go to plutonium processing, but yet this is something we handed uh, to Iran, uh, an enemy regime. Uh, and that came after the Ford administration denied uh, uranium enrichment to the Shah of Iran at a time where the Shah was our ally. Now, here's a regime that's our enemy, but the administration agreed to kind of grandfather them in to allow them uh, to use these facilities, despite the fact that they were clear violations of the Nuclear non Treaty.
0: Why would they do that? Isn't, isn't it, I'm not an expert on this, but enriching uranium. Isn't that a key aspect in building a nuclear weapon?
1: Yeah, it's one of the foundations. And it just goes to show that the Obama administration saw this not so much in nonproliferation terms, but it saw it as a transformational deal that could uh, appease the regime in Iran and therefore set up a possible detente with that regime, maybe even an entente of an alliance against ISIS.
0: What's an entente?
1: Uh, that's more of a, a, a friendly, a detente is just relaxation of mm-hmm. tensions, but an entente would be agreeing to cooperate. And so
0: I, temporary diplomacy.
1: Right. I think it was uh, very misguided, wishful thinking. And the problem, uh, I think, boiled down to the fact that the uh, President Obama saw himself as a transformational pres- uh, president, and he saw himself as Nixon going to China. By reaching out to the Iranian regime, he was going to somehow uh, transform it. And I think that notion was very misguided because, as we've seen since the deal was signed in 2015, Iran has become even more aggressive in Syria, in Yemen, and elsewhere around the world.
0: Yeah. Okay. so that's a good jumping point to my next question. Fast forward. Here we are today. President Trump. What's his stance on the Iran nuclear deal?
1: Well... uh, President Trump takes a very transactional view of this. and he, As he says, he considers it one of the worst deals in history because he said uh, Iran got much more out of this deal than the U.S., which is definitely true uh, because Iran won the right to continue uh, its enrichment uh, with a view towards a long-term option on a nuclear weapon. After 15 years, the key restrictions on uranium enrichment come off Iran is then allowed to ramp up its enrichment program to an industrial scale, and that will not only make it easier to hide uh, you know, streams of uh, enriched uranium that it could divert from the view of inspectors, but it would also uh, allow it to go r- right up to uh, – a nuclear breakout, and then sprint the last few uh, weeks uh, to get a nuclear weapon. It will make it much harder to stop once it has an, an enri- enriched uranium program of that size.
0: So there's a deadline coming up. What what do we think Trump's going to do? Do we know? Has he made remarks? Has he given us any inclination as to, to what he's thinking?
1: Well, Every 180 degrees, uh, the president must sign off on uh, sanctions relief. And uh, back in January, he said that he would not do it again unless some of the fundamental flaws of this deal have been corrected. And since then, the U.S. has been negotiating with the EU3, the original negotiators with Iran, Britain, France, and Germany, in order to toughen up uh, the U.S. and allied uh, views on the deal. And essentially, this wouldn't be renegotiating the deal itself, but it would be presenting a unified, allied, uh, unilateral red line to Iran saying that, you know, we think these restrictions should be permanent, uh, they shouldn't expire or sunset after 10 to 15 years, and therefore, you know, we're going to leave the deal if you, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Uh, unfortunately, it appears that uh, unlikely that uh, the administration will get a satisfactory understanding from Britain, France, and Germany because the Germans in particular are, are against uh, uh, removing the sunset provisions because they maintain that would uh, abrogate the original deal. Uh, so it looks like uh, President Trump uh, on May 12th will— uh, Refuse to sign off on uh, uh, the sanctions waivers, and that would impose the sanctions again, and that will probably lead Iran to walk away from the deal, uh, and then it will be a whole new ballgame.
0: So basically, we change the we change the deal, and we make it better, or there's no deal at all.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, that's it's it's trying to uh, remediate. some of the worst aspects of the deal. But I think it's important to note that for me and for many conservatives, the original sin of the deal is allowing Iran to have any uranium enrichment at all. And I doubt Iran is going to go back and agree to that. So I think it's unlikely this deal will survive in any form.
0: Why do our allies like the deal?
1: I think they like it because it uh, reduces tensions and allows them to – gear up their exports for Iran. Iran was was an important market for them, especially, uh, I think, Germany and Italy. Uh, and the EU as a whole was the biggest importer of Iranian oil. Uh, and so for those reasons, and I think the, the fact that for many of them, they saw the deal as a way to restrain the U.S., not to restrain Iran. And, in fact, I think that was one of the motivations back in... Uh, 2003, 2004, uh, when they first started negotiating with Iran, is they thought it was a way to uh, keep the U.S. from uh, attacking Iran's uh, nuclear program. Uh, and and that really spurred them on. Uh, I don't think they ever were that serious about uh, uh, restraining or constraining Iran.
0: So Israel recently has come out and said that Iran is lying and that they do have nuclear plans and has urged the U.S. to back out, what evidence did Benjamin Netanyahu say they had?
1: Well, he gave a very interesting uh, presentation uh, uh, in which he noted that the Israeli Mossad, uh, an intelligence agency, had recovered uh, half a ton of documents, which is an incredible amount of documents from this warehouse in Tehran in the Iranian capital and brought it back to Israel that same night. Uh, Some leaks are saying that uh, the Israelis uh, obtained these documents back in January uh, and translated them in in February, revealed them to the White House on March 5th. So these things have been known for a while, uh, and the U.S. government uh, has known about this and has— Attested to the veracity of these documents. They say say they are authentic and it's important because it shows that Iran has been lying the entire time We've known for years that Iran had a secret nuclear weapons program called Project Ahmad We can now prove That Project Ahmad Was a comprehensive program to design build and test nuclear weapons We can also prove that Iran is secretly storing Project Ahmad material to use at a time of its choice to develop nuclear weapons.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I heard some talking points on the left that is, well, this isn't proof that they've broken the deal because these actions were before there was even a deal.
1: Right. I mean, from my perspective, the problem is this, ag- this agreement was so bad they didn't need to, to break it <laughs> to get what they wanted because they can just uh, ratchet up their program incrementally and get to the, the end point, a nuclear weapon. Uh, it, this kind of paves their way towards that. Uh, so it's, you know, that's really one of the problems with the deals. It gave Iran just about everything it wanted. All it did is slow them down. So it wasn't a, uh, a concrete barrier to their, uh, nuclear ambitions. It was only a, it was a diplomatic speed bump that slowed them down.
0: Jim, you are probably one of the best experts to talk to on this issue. If you could say anything to Trump right now before he makes this decision, what would you say?
1: I would say, you know, this, any non-proliferation deal with Iran has to be permanent, not temporary. And he should look at this deal that the, the Europeans are offering and ask himself, does this make an Iranian nuclear weapon permanently impossible? If he can't answer that in the affirmative, then he should not go for what the Europeans are trying to sell.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. And that's it for this episode of Heritage Explains. Jim Phillips recently hosted a heritage event on this topic. You can go back and watch it on heritage.org. I will include it in our show notes along with other heritage research. And as always, if you like today's podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rank us and leave a comment. We'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero with editing by Thalia Rampersad.